Welcome to the Optimal Body Podcast. I'm Doc Jen. And I'm Dr. Dom. And we are doctors of physical therapy, bringing you the body tips and physical therapy pearls of wisdom to help you begin to understand your body, relieve your pains and restrictions, and answer your questions. Along with expert guests, our goal of the Optimal Body Podcast is really to help you discover what optimal means within your own body. Let's dive in. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. The Move to Improve Challenge has officially started today. Mm-hmm. I can start moving, gain some strength again. And I just have to say, if you're listening to this episode, it's probably because you have or have had knee pain. Yeah, and I, as somebody who's had meniscus injuries in both of my knees, I can tell you that the way Jen cues strength workouts helps with exactly that. It helps make sure that your knees and your lower body are in a great position so you can actually build strength and resilience back through those knees rather than putting undue pressure on them when you start doing strength workouts. I feel like it's one thing that keeps people away from lifting the most is the knee pain that they feel when they do squats or lunges or step ups. And I just have to say, like, I, I just need to acknowledge some of the people who went through this challenge last year because someone said, I learned so much in the last month. Wow, so much less pain in my hip and knee. I could do stairs pain-free again. Yeah. Thank you. Like, that's after 30 days. I just have to acknowledge a couple other people as well because, you know, just reading how people get through this 30 days of movement and already start to feel less pain in their body or notice such incredible changes. I mean, someone had said that they had tried a Cossack squat like months prior to the challenge and really couldn't do it because they didn't have the ankle mobility. They were falling down and they couldn't get up because they were felt too weak at the hip. And they, of course, had knee pain. But now today they can do it, but they still need a little bit more mobility in the hip because, you know, it's after only 30 days, but they've gained so much. They trust their body again and they're not having knee pain. Another person, sorry, just one more said that I can now get into the deepest goblet squat ever without knee pain and in slow motion. What? I know. And I I have one last one that I want to read. This person said, I doubted that I'd follow through. I didn't think I'd have the time. I was worried I'd get overwhelmed. Then I realized that mindset was what has kept me from working out consistently in the past two years. I realized that mindset is why my body feels constricted and aches all the time. I realized I don't want to feel this way anymore. Mm. And that's exactly the message is do something different consistently and feel something different in your body. It doesn't take long. We have people reaching out after a week saying, oh my gosh, that's the first time that I've done this exercise Mm -hmm. and not felt pain or oh my gosh this is the first time that i've actually felt that stretch or that activation i mean we have like hundreds of these testimonials you guys don't understand so many testimonials from just last year on this challenge this exact one so i know i know i know it is possible for you to feel something different in your body and you don't want to miss out on moving with an entire community to help build that accountability so now is the time to get it yeah just starting today head down to the link in the show notes. It's just gen.health backslash move. And we want to start moving with you today. So let's talk about meniscus injury. This is pretty popular in the knee. And we actually did a podcast on this previously, episode 12. <laughs> Woo, that was a long time ago. But if you go back, if you want to know, like understand a little bit more of the anatomy specifically around meniscus and how that injury kind of occurs, which one is a little bit more common, all of that kind of stuff, we're going to leave that more for episode 12. So we're not going to repeat all of that. We're going to go more into the research on meniscus. Yeah. And I mean, 
I'm somebody who's had meniscal injuries in both knees, mm-hmm. um, one of which was in my right knee, happened slipping around and messing around on the ice, <laughs> funny nice enough. I know, to- <laughs> totally. And I- I've played years and years of competitive sports. And of course, I just tear my meniscus messing around in the winter on the ice. Um, and in that knee, I was having issues for a couple, you know, maybe a month afterwards, finally went in and said, hey, I'm still having just some discomfort and swelling in my knee. It wasn't really anything more than that. I was still playing pickup basketball. I was still lifting weights, but something was still irritating me. And so got an image of the knee. And of course, the orthopedist comes in and says, man, you have a massive bucket handle tear and bucket handle tear. It's not really important what it is, but yeah. and he's like, are you able to get full range of motion in your knee? And I'm like, yeah, but I could still bend my heel to my butt pretty much. It still felt pressure because yeah, my knee was a little bit swollen and I could straighten my knee all the way out. And he's just like, man, like, I'm so surprised you still have, you know, full range of motion. I'm like, yeah, I played pickup basketball a few days ago. Like, I'm not having a ton of pain. It's just, I can tell it's still a little swollen because I didn't give myself much of a break afterwards. I was still training and stuff. Ended up having a surgery in that one, in that knee. Fast forward to when I'm in grad school, I was swimming to try and do a lower impact activity (laughs) and doing big whip kicks with my legs. I got out of the He's pool. He's got some big legs too, you guys. <laughs> yes. And I was doing like the big whip, like frog kick with a breaststroke. Um, and again, my whole thing was like, I wanted to do cardio, but I wanted to lose weight and have less impact on my joints yeah. after playing football. And I got out of the pool once. I'm like, man, my knee just doesn't feel right. Went to my orthopedic PT professors and they're just like, yeah, I'm pretty sure you have a like meniscal tear in your left knee. I'm like... They're like, what'd you do? I'm like, oh, I was swimming, doing a whip kick. And they're like, actually, that's more common than you'd think. Yeah. Um, so there we go. I knew that something very similar happened to my left knee because it felt really similar to what had happened to my right knee. But this time I chose the conservative route with my left knee and just let it calm down, altered my activity a little bit, started strengthening up, started doing different, you know, balance and proprioceptive activities and there we go. That's how I, what I kind of did for both legs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it's so interesting too to hear the story and like, it's hard, right? You're young. You don't really know what you're supposed to do. You get all this swelling in the knee. It hasn't gone away for a month. So of course you're going to go into the orthopedic yeah. and of course you're going to listen to what they say and get the surgery. Like, why wouldn't you? Right? Totally. Well, and that's like, I was a junior at that point going into my senior year of football and I'm like, I need to get this surgery so right. I can play. Right. You know, that exactly. was like a, my mindset was like, oh, I need to get this so I can play. So keep all that in mind. And towards the end of the podcast, I'll tell you how each knee is doing right now. Yeah, because I, I think that'll be really interesting to hear. But when we're looking at, you know, just in general, the medial meniscus, so the inside of that knee, yeah. it gets affected about three times more likely than the outside, which yeah. yours are both. Both of mine were medial meniscus. Right. And then when we're looking at meniscus injury, especially when it's related to sports, about a third of the time, we see that it's connected to other ligament injuries as well. A lot of times it's not just the meniscus that goes. Sometimes it's with the ACL or it's with the MCL or, you know, another ligament around the knee area kind of gets involved in the injury as well. Because the mechanism of injury is very similar. Yeah. And although like everyone thinks of meniscal injuries, oh, something athletic, like there are many more types of meniscal injuries. There are degenerative meniscal, Mm -hmm. meniscal injuries. It does happen about twice as often 
in athletic populations, but yeah. a lot of, I mean, the majority of them in general happen just in your everyday person. Mm-hmm. Somebody who might be walking on the ice and slip and have their foot catch. <laughs> um, <laughs> like myself, who I was an athlete, but tore it in a non-athletic right. <laughs> event. Yeah. Um, and even when we look, so this is another time that we want to go back to the images because everyone likes to say, oh, image, I have a meniscal tear. Got to get this thing fixed. Right. I need to have my meniscectomy or take that torn bit out. If you look at people who are 50 years old and we image a hundred random knees, more than 35 of those people will have some sort of degenerative tear, Mm -hmm. but not necessarily have any symptoms. So our meniscus kind of like our back is something that throughout stages of life is going to lose hydration. We put it to use. We might see some degenerative changes. It doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be associated with pain. What's also interesting as well as looking at, you know, now what the research is kind of saying about surgery even. So if surgery is done a little bit more frequently for meniscus injury, we're seeing that the development of degenerative conditions kind of in increases, right? Especially if we're not kind of going after a really specific good rehab protocol after the surgery. So if you're just doing the surgery and that's kind of your fix and you're just going going about your life or, and you're thinking that's going to be everything, we're kind of seeing a little bit more degeneration within that meniscus on that knee specifically. So you might need more surgery down the line. Yeah, I and it's funny you say that because after I had surgery on my right knee, no physical therapy. Yeah. <laughs> they sent me home with crutches saying like, hey, you might want these just for like a little irritation for the first couple of days, but you can pretty much start to get back to activity as, you know, yeah, comfortable. Yeah. Like they may and have I think given that's me, really common. They may have given me a few more guidelines like, hey, give it seven to 10 days before you start doing, you know, anything more aggressive and kind of progress into it as comfortable and as you're swelling and pain allows, Mm -hmm. right? But also the amount of painkillers they gave me coming out of that surgery was insane, but that's a whole nother topic. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, let's not get into that right now. (laughs) They're like, here's a a month supply. Yeah, you should be able to walk in two days and not have any pain after a week, but here's 60 oxy. And I'm like, what? Yeah, again, another topic. (laughs) A whole nother (laughs) soapbox right there. But yeah, and we, we continue as we look through the research, seeing this process of early meniscectomy resulting in no better outcomes than doing, you know, a conservative rehab protocol at short-term and at long-term follow-up. And when, you know, there was follow-up with people who did a meniscectomy, up to 30% of them said that they had some sort of adverse reaction to the surgery or were having complications down the road. I think that was at like a two-year follow-up. Well, and there was also studies to suggest that, you know, if a healthy young person got a surgery done or a partial meniscectomy like you did, 7% of degeneration can happen a year. Yeah, of the remaining meniscus. Yes. Yeah. That That's pretty crazy right there. And they to took hear. 66 or like two thirds, 66% of mine out of my medial meniscus out, which means I have 33% left, 7% every year of that. I'm down to like... <laughs> Nothing in that knee. (laughs) Under like 15% at this point. Jeez. (laughs) Yeah, but it's really crazy to kind of think about that. And again, these are like, we're we're looking at the studies in general. We can't look at studies for everything, but we can say, okay, it seems like if we're getting surgery, especially when we're still pretty young and healthy and can do a lot, 
mm-hmm. and we're just going to the surgery a little too soon, well, then yeah. we could result in, in more degeneration and possible pain later in life as well. And one, there's one big caveat to this when it you know has to do with our meniscus is if the tear um, or whatever injury we had in that meniscus was severe enough to the point where we're having significant locking of the joint. Yeah. Like if you're unable to fully straighten your leg, if you're unable to fully flex your leg, if it gets kind of caught at, you know, in a bent position and you can't straighten it out, again, that is going to be something that will severely inhibit your function throughout everyday life, especially if you're not able to get that resolved. Um, to kind of give a little bit more of how my injury had progressed um, or how my meniscal stories progressed. One time when we were rock climbing, I was up on a wall mm-hmm. and my right knee got into a really funky place and I tried pushing off of it, felt a little pop and kind of fell down off the wall and pretty quickly knew like, okay, I done I did something else to my right knee. And now when I get my right knee in certain positions, and I go to straighten it out, I get a little locking in my right knee. And again, reminder, that's the one that I did have surgery on. And what I have to do is I have to bend my heel all the way to my butt. I feel another little click in my knee. And that's a trick of called like clearing the joint. So mm-hmm. if you do get locking, sometimes if you just flex that knee and put a little pressure into it, you might clear the joint and get that w- obstruction out of the way. And then I can fully you know, use my, my leg again. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to see even because if we're looking at degenerate degeneration of your meniscal tear, um, especially without symptoms of locking and catching, you know, it, it it's just when we look at a, like a big review of studies of over eight studies, we're seeing that it can be conservatively managed with PT. And so yeah. maybe you wouldn't have had to come to the point of still dealing with symptoms of locking and all of this stuff had you done, you know, physical therapy and that yeah. was the recommendation from your doctor rather than let's just do surgery. I mean, I was playing pickup basketball. Give you nothing <laughs> after that, you know, to kind of follow through with any kind of rehab. So you never really yeah. got at anything, really. No, and I wasn't a PT at that point, so I didn't yeah. know better much on my own. Um, but I was playing pickup basketball. I was lifting weights. My knee was just angry with me because it had just gone through some trauma. And then I immediately went back to playing basketball and lifting weights. And yeah, it'd be so easy for a doctor at that point to say, well, sounds like you're still doing some pretty high level activity and not having any major locking or clicking or things that are reducing your participation. Again, I was having a little swelling Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I could feel a little discomfort because of that. But I was still doing these things like playing basketball. So I'm like, why not just tell me, hey, let's back off for a little bit. Mm -hmm. Maybe go to some things like riding bike, doing some mobility you know, doing some other things, which an orthopedic surgeon might not tell me. Yeah, probably not. But refer you to PT. Maybe if I got to a PT, you yeah. would tell me this thing, these things like how different could things have been? I don't know. Yeah. Would I be dealing with locking and clicking my knee now? Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. It is hard to say. You can't guarantee any which way. However, we can say we do see a majority of the time if we try out the conservative treatment, if we try out the things that we've been neglecting and haven't been coming to, because I even see from you, you do get better if you are specific on your workouts and specific on your on your balance stuff and your single leg activity and what you're doing to really strengthen. Yeah. You do, like you, you go for long periods of time without having any kind of symptoms. And it was so interesting because I started playing city league basketball and something that will really bother my right knee is like a lot of random lateral 
cutting and mm-hmm. movements and that happens in basketball a lot. You just need to react and like suddenly you're cutting one way or the other. And sometimes I'll feel that happen in my knee where I know, oh, my knee's going to start locking and I have to kind of bend down quick and bounce my butt to my heels and then I can feel it kind of clear. And then I go back about my day. That was happening five to six times a game, I would say, like right when I started City League basketball. But then I was also getting on this strengthening program. I think we we're going through one of the challenges. It might've been like the full body, low impact. full body low impact challenge, doing strengthening workouts three times a week, focusing a little bit more on balance work, some mobility around my hips and ankles. And by the end of the season, like it might've happened one time a game, if that. So just like getting myself familiar with the strength around the joint, getting in some more proprioceptive movement. And also, I think just the repetition of playing basketball on a weekly basis definitely, you know, helped me out to get a little more used to that. But um, yeah, it was amazing. Once I had a more calculated approach to Mm -hmm. how to manage it, I could definitely see the benefit. Which is so that, that like this is our entire point, right? Because if we are seeing that even in let's not go to young people and they even studied, you know, let's look at middle age who are getting meniscectomies and the OA progression is a little bit more severe for those who had the surgery versus those who just did conservative treatment. Mm -hmm. Then OA talking about osteoarthritis. And I think this is the number one fear for a lot of people as we age is, oh my gosh, arthritis or my knees, they, they can't take on any impact anymore, which we have done an episode on osteoarthritis as well for the knee that I recommend checking out if that's you. But if we're seeing all of these changes, you know, what can you do? And and if you have had surgery in the past, I think this is also where the hopeful story from Dom comes in of like hearing, well, if I do these certain movements or I strengthen and I continue to work on my mobility and strength, then it does get better and symptoms resolve. So there, we're still going to talk about some stuff that you can do, right? But we also just want to point out what the current research is kind of saying in, in terms of if you are told, go get surgery right away. Try PT first. Go mm-hmm. with a personalized PT, even rather than just listening to what exercises we might recommend or suggest, right? Go get a personalized specific rehab protocol for you. Try that out for months and then see, Do I am I getting better? If you're getting better and you're less symptoms, more function, you might continue to get better if you if you continue with this rather than going for the surgery. And I think that's like the main thing. There are also alternatives that we kind of looked at in the research as well as what you can do to kind of help out that are still being researched and studied today. Yeah. And that has to do with like different regenerative medicines, yeah. um, like mesenchymal stem cells, PRP treatments, mm-hmm. things like that. And there have been some studies that have shown positive effects of those. Mm-hmm. Um Again, we're not as much experts in those, but no. just want to let you know that those could be on the table in and the future. And they're not always as accessible, right? Yeah, they <laughs> might be a little what, more expensive. Insurances, yeah. you know, don't cover a lot of those um, to any degree, if at all. And even something that I have a little bit of an issue with is like the return to activity protocol. Mm-hmm. I think it's more specific for if you do have surgery. It's like mm-hmm. a lot of the times all they're looking at is quad strength. And it's mm-hmm. like, okay, if you have 80% quad strength on your surgical side versus your non-operative side, you're ready to go back to, you know, heavier activity. If once you get to 90% strength on your, in your return quadricep, to sport. Return, then it's to competitive. return to sport. When yeah. it's just like, 
when we tear something like our meniscus, it impacts so much more than that. It impacts the stability of the joint. So multi-directional movements, it impacts the proprioception of that joint or the knee's understanding of what it's doing in space, the Mm -hmm. balance, the reactiveness. So, you know, being able to have a little more calculated approach to return to sport versus let's get that quad back to 90% strength, like it's absolutely necessary. A hundred percent agree. Yes, we want quad strength, of course, but we also, you know, I think we forget that our knee doesn't just bend and extend. And especially when we're talking about meniscus on the medial and lateral side, our knee has the ability to rotate and getting back that that control of that tibial rotation, especially as we're going into flexion and extension of that knee. So going straightening and bending if we can get better control of that rotation, so doing things where I'm like holding my top of my leg and I'm rotating from my my foot to my shin, so I should see not just my foot move, but my, my shin move as well. If I can get better rotation and control and then do that with bending and extending my leg, well, once I go to load it, then I'm going to have better control and mobility of that, of that whole lower leg mm-hmm. when I'm doing exercise. Yeah, some things that are super helpful for me are always paying attention to my ankle and foot mobility Mm -hmm. and my hip mobility. I mean, working on rotation of my hips, kind of like in a 90-90 exercise, so great because you can do passive or more of a passive internal and external rotation from that position and then also work on active Mm -hmm. external and internal rotation by pushing into that front leg so that you're getting active external rotation and lifting that back leg for and active internal rotation. how does the hip mobility and the ankle mobility really help your knee for your meniscus? Well, if I don't have great mobility at my hips, then my knees might try to make up for that in some sort of funky way, <laughs> right? And so if I'm lacking internal rotation at my hips, then my knees might try to get a little more rotation you know, through them in order to transfer that power through my legs into my core. Same with my ankles. If I don't have a lot of dorsiflexion, then my knee's going to have to work a lot harder harder (laughs) to get the proper, you know, force through the quads Mm -hmm. and then up through my hips. Um, So working on your dorsiflexion is really going to help take a little more stress and strain off the knees. I completely agree. And then we want to go through strengthening again, not just of our quad. (laughs) Yes, we want our quad, but we also want a hamstring. We want our glutes really strong. We want our foot control really strong because that's going to play a role as to how strong our hips are and how much we can go into the balance and the proprioceptive work and then starting to get into a little bit more dynamic plyometric work. You know, it all comes from our foot ankle up into our hip. So we really need to look at the entire approach when we're going into a meniscus injury protocol. And Mm -hmm. that's why working with a personalized physical therapist where they can say, oh, here's where you're limited in your mobility. Oh, here's where you're limited in your strength. This is how we can safely and progressively start to load you back rather than you just thinking, oh, let me do some higher level single leg deadlifts or, you know, and, and really start to load in a way that your body's not yet ready. I think that's so incredibly important. Yeah, I had just jumped right back into power cleans and clean and jerks and of course. <laughs> heavy squats and deadlifts because that's what our football program called for. <laughs> but probably not the best place to go right probably after you have not. a meniscal injury. Um, so, so tell yeah. us, like, how, how are you doing now? What leg is like? I mean, can, consistently, I have less problem w- with my left leg. And 
again, it's it's not fair to do an even comparison because I don't know the how degree, se- the degree yeah. of or the severity of the injury in my left knee, you know, as much as my right. Again, I, I don't really know the severity of my right knee other than what the doctor told me. But and you had surgery, so it should be better. Yeah, I had surgery, so should have resolved but again this is the knee that i continue to have issues with this is the knee that after i go on a three mile jog and then play pickup basketball later in the week and then you know do some strength training this is the knee that talks to me and says hey you're doing quite a bit more this week than you normally do Mm -hmm. this is the knee the right knee the surgical leg is the one that i have the locking in and Mm -hmm. and issues in it's the one that i have re-injured you know, versus mm-hmm. my left one, since I had my initial injury in that side, focused and kind of did a thoughtful rehab protocol on that one when I was in PT school, I've had very, very few issues with that that left leg. So yeah, if I could go back and make a different decision on if I had surgery in that right knee, like would I? I don't know, you know, it's hard to say, like <laughs> put myself with, give myself the knowledge I have from today back then, would I still be nervous that something else would happen and I wouldn't be able to play football? It was my very last year. I don't know. Uh, I, I, I'd like to say that I probably wouldn't have gotten the surgery and things would be all fine and dandy present day, but it's hard to say, you know? Hmm. That's interesting. I mean, if you had a physical therapist really working with you. Yeah, I, I'd like to say that that's the route I would take. Yeah. Am I 100% certain that I wouldn't have continued to have issues with this knee? Yeah, it's, it's hard really to say. hard to say. For sure. But it's like, but I think what's important to point out is that you did have the surgery and this is where the assumption becomes, well, I had surgery, so that was the fix. So I shouldn't have any issues anymore. And, and you are still dealing with issues and you do still have to be really mindful of the protocol and the strengthening program you're doing. It's for sure something I'm going to be working with and on for the rest of my life. Yeah. Like there's, which could have been the case either way. For sure. Right. However, you know, this is this is the main point that we want to say, and the research is continuing to kind of show this as well, where surgery shouldn't be your first option. It shouldn't be, oh, this is what the image is showing us. This is what you need. It's, even if you're having pain, locking, all these other symptoms, try conservative treatment first. Really give that a go before you hop in and say, you know, that yeah. really didn't work for me. If it didn't work for you, great. We're like, we're all for, you know, getting you back to function, getting you back to feeling good within your body. So get the surgery and do the physical therapy after. Especially because I had seven to eight months because this happened in early December, late November. And then I, when I had heart surgery, when I was home for winter break, actually right before the new year. So it's like I had eight months before I was going to actually play football again. Yeah, I had eight months had to go through, to- I had eight months to try therapy. Yeah. And then if, if that didn't work, have a surgery, you know, later on. But again, going back, knowing what I know now, definitely would not have gotten the surgery, tried the rehab um, and went with it, especially since I know I didn't have the locking or yeah. clicking. I didn't have any severe reductions in full range of motion (laughs) was getting back into activity already i just needed somebody to guide me a little bit more in that conservative protocol so yeah so just something to consider something to continue to learn and understand about your body our bodies are super resilient and they're really good at at healing and kind of figuring it out because remember along with the knee we don't just have ligaments we have a ton of tendons and we have muscles that all support the knee and Beyond that, we have a foot and a hip that really helps to support what's happening at the knee. So if we continue on with the conservative treatment, like there is possibility that you can get better that way. 
Thanks everyone for joining another PT Pearl all about the meniscus. Is this something you've had an issue with? Do you deal with knee pain in general? If so, we have an incredible knee plan on the Gen Health platform. You can start that and try your first week for free if you go down to the link in the show notes. It's just gen.health backslash free trial. And that'll give you so many ideas on how to start working on that ankle mobility, that hip mobility, starting to comfortably load the knee. It'll be a great guide day to day for 30 days in that first phase. And then there is also a phase two that you can move on to. So go check that out. If you've been enjoying the podcast, please consider leaving us a rating and review on your favorite podcasting platform. And of course, we will see you next time on the Optimal Body Podcast.